on, lift your voice at this 11 o'clock service. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I'm excited. So glad to be in church today. So glad to be here and so glad to see every one of you. And so glad for our speaker this morning. We love Brother and Sister Green. And today we get to hear from Sister Green. And we're so excited about that. So Sister Green, if you'll make your way. Uh, let's give the Lord a hand as she comes. We're excited for what she's got for us today. Good morning. I am so honored to be able to speak to you guys today. You guys know how much I love Rack. I love you. I love this church. Um, some of you I'm still just getting to know and finding out who you are. Some of you I feel like I know pretty well, but I'm just honored to be here, especially to honor our friends, the Waldens, in their 14 years. They are a great, great, great example of servant leadership. Um, That's the way God calls us to be. We're not leaders that, that drive and charge and overrun people but we serve and that's what God calls us to do and your pastor his wife their family are perfect well you know perfect in my eyes <laughs> examples of leadership we all have room to grow obviously but you can't get much better than the Waldens that's just the truth all right you guys can go ahead and be seated Today I'm going to speak to you about uh, something that the Lord has been dealing with me about the last, I think it maybe it started before COVID, but I can't remember, but about truth, about understanding truth. So I'm going to talk today about truth matters, truth matters. Um, When Jesus was hours away from his death, oh wait, you know what, let me back up just one thing because I, I even wrote it in my notes and forgot. I want to honor my husband. (laughs) He's amazing. I always forget to do that, and he's so faithful to do that for me. And I, it's just so I just love him so much. He, we have we have grown together and learned together, and we love. Probably one of our favorite things to do is to just talk about the word and understand who God is and and what we're doing here and so I just I honor you today babe having my notes to honor Judah but obviously he's late (laughs) hopefully he'll be here so when Jesus was hours away from his death he was standing in a courtroom on trial for his life and he spoke these words to this end was I born in John 18 37 And for this cause came I into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. That was the whole point of his existence, the whole point of who he is, that he would bear witness unto the truth. So truth exists with or without your belief or your understanding. Truth does not need you to believe it for it to be truth. It doesn't need you to understand it for it to be truth. It stands alone. So if you Google truth, you're going to find theories of truth, um, inconvenient truths, illusions of truth, 
varying definitions of truth, individual truths. That's one I've just run across recently due to a good friend of ours that uh, is involved with a, a man and got pregnant by him, and he's married, and he has twins, and he just had another baby by another woman, and now he's the daddy of this girl's twins, and he, he's teaching her her individual truth. I, there's just so many. I, people just throw around truth like it's a word that you can just apply to anything you want to believe. As Pentecostals, we speak of truth in regards to doctrine, and rightly so. But truth is as big as God himself. It's as big as the word of God itself. Not only must we know truth, but we have to own it. Because Proverbs 23, 23, 23 says, buy the truth and sell it not. We have to own it. It's vital that in this day, especially, y'all, when there's so much fake news, so much what is truth, what's right, who's telling the truth, um, that we pursue truth with everything we have. It's what's going to distinguish us and make us know who we are. And make sure we're following the right things. So the Hebrew word truth. And I want to thank my good friend Bianca for making these beautiful um, slides for you guys. They are kind of explain as I go through this. uh, As I began to study truth, there's just some really cool things about it. So let let me go through it. The word truth is the word emet. It means stability, certainty, trustworthiness. Each uh, letter in the Hebrew alphabet um, is, has a meaning, but also in this instance, the Hebrew sages, people talk about truth like this. So, the, so you read from, in Hebrew from right to left. So the first one on this side is that both legs are balanced. That means it can stand on its own. If I made it out of a 3D you know, material, you could put it up here and it would just stand. The next word also has a baseline. It's got that. So it can also stand on its own. And then the last one is um, a word that, or a letter that can stand on its own. So the, the word truth, without any help, without any assistance, can stand on its own. The letters of the word truth. So let's go to the next picture. And this is the Hebrew word for false or lie. And it's the word shaker. Now, if I was to draw a baseline there, you can see that the first one on this side is a little wonky. It's like this. So if you tried to put it and make it stand by itself, it would lean or, you know, possibly fall. The middle one descends below the baseline and doesn't connect. Again, it just has no stability. It has nothing to stand on. And then the last letter is an unbalanced one leg. That's, that's Hebrews. That's how, you know, that's just the complexity of the word of God is even the letters themselves. Deception, disappointment, falsehood, none of that can stand on its own. It's unbalanced. The only way that those things are going to stand on their own is if you prop them up. So we have to be careful not to prop up those things in our lives that are false. Right? Amen. Amen. All right, the next um, one, we're going to get a little bit deeper into the Hebrew letters. The first letter, again, on the right, 
is the, is the letter Aleph. That's the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The middle is Mem. That's the middle letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And then the last letter is Tav, and that's the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So truth goes from beginning, middle, and the end. It's, it's continuous. It doesn't ever stop. Truth is from beginning to end. It encompasses everything. Nothing. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the Alpha and Omega is how he said it in the New Testament, but that's Greek. So it's not the Aleph and the Tav, but it's the same idea. It's the, from beginning to end. So in, in also, it, because he, I don't know, the Hebrew I, culture to me is so interesting, but every letter actually has a meaning. Like, we don't have that, right? A doesn't mean anything. It's just the letter A. But for them, Aleph, that letter has a meaning. And that meaning of Aleph is the ineffable letter. Of course, I don't know what that means. So I looked that up. (laughs) And it means that it's too great or extreme to be expressed or described in words. Yeah. Like, like, you know how the Jews don't say the the name of the Lord because it's too holy. It represents, y'all, this is, this is. You know, in the encyclopedia, it represents the oneness and the preeminent glory of God. It's in, tr- it's in the word truth. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, um, from the beginning, the foundation of understanding truth is that it includes God. It includes the preeminence of God. The second letter, Mem, has several meanings. And, you know, just at first glance, they might seem a little like disjointed. It means waters, people, nations, languages, tongues. So, but scripturally, we can see how these things come together because Revelation talks about the sound of water being great water, being that great choir of people. Their voices can sound like water. And Jesus cried out that whoever believes in me, that out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water he's talking about the holy ghost he's talking about speaking in tongues he's talking about this word mem so that's really cool that that's also in the word truth um but mem can have an uh open there's two different ways you can write that letter you can write it open see how it has that little gap at the bottom or you can write it where it closes up And in the Hebrew understanding, they believe that the open form represents the revealed truth of God, like demonstrated by Moses. God gave him the law. That was truth. And he wrote it down, and it was very open. Everybody could see it. But when it's the closed form is said to represent the concealed truth of God. Jesus came with that concealed truth. He didn't just lay it all out for everybody. Here's your steps. One, two, three. Do A, B, C. But it's concealed. He spoke to the disciples and said, Understanding is not given to everyone, but it's to you. It's been given for you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. So we have to seek that out. We have to find that hidden Understanding, And then the last letter, Tav, actually means a seal or a sign. The word truth has God, 
tongues and a sign. You just can't separate the Holy Ghost from truth. You can't do it. The Talmud speaks about the essence of truth being determined at the end of a journey. I, I had to think about this one a little while. It's not at the beginning. It's, so if you, if you go on a, journey, a truth journey, the truth is not revealed or, or confirmed at the beginning. It's confirmed at the end. It's where you end up. It's why in John, 1 John 2, he talks about those that leave us were never part of us. I, I really used, I've struggled with that, but I understand it in this context. Because if, the, if, if you leave and you don't end in truth, then truth was not part of, of your complete journey, if that makes sense. Now, let me be clear here because um, I am part of the UPCI. I love it. But the UPCI does not have truth to itself. It doesn't belong to the UPCI. Truth is bigger than that. By the same token, though, don't fall into the trap of believing that just because you walk away from the UPCI that you now have liberty to not live in truth. In our Christian vocabulary, we use the word saved like it's already happened, like it's a done deal. And no doubt, when we were saved, when we came to an altar, we were born again. We were saved from our sinful lifestyle. But it's not complete until the end. It's just not. If you desire to know truth or to have truth, to live in truth, you have to make it a continuing thing. We have to search for it. Proverbs tells us that it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. So in other words, God, God has mysteries. He has things he holds close, but we, as his people, need to discover them. We get the privilege of finding them, and it's like, it's like finding something. It's just so cool to find revelation. All right, I want to talk about one more Hebrew word in this last slide. If you take the Hebrew word for truth, which is aleph, mem, and tav, and you remove that first letter, you remove aleph, which is removing God or the preeminence, the oneness of God, you're left with a word that is spelled mem, tav, and that word means dead. So it's vital that we have to include God. We can't take him out. without. We have no hope of, of ending in truth without God. Jesus in 14, John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When he's speaking to, um, sorry, I'm getting jumping ahead of myself. Um, when he's uh, praying for those that are coming after him in John 17, 17, he's praying for, for us, really, For all of his disciples, he says, sanctify them through thy truth. That means, sanctify means make them holy. Through thy truth, thy word is truth. So fundamental to the truth is understanding that Jesus is truth and the word is truth. And together, they're one. You can't have a relationship with Jesus without having a relationship with the word of God. You can't have a relationship with the word of God without having a relationship with Jesus. They, they go together, and they are both together. They are truth. In John 3, 
I want to talk about a little bit about how God used truth as a verb. I mean, we think of it as a noun. But in John 3, he's talking to Nicodemus, giving him the, you know, the words of life that you must be born again. And then down in verses 19 through 21, he says that those who don't believe are condemned already. And this is why. Light came into the world and men love darkness rather than light. So is everyone that does evil. They won't come to the light for they don't want their deeds to be reproved. But he that doeth truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be manifest, that they are wrought in God. Now, for me, for years, the scripture it was like, well, yeah, you know, murderers, rapists, terrible people, Satanists. You know, they love the dark, and they're dark, and that was all it kind of meant to me. Um, but since I've walked with God for a little while, <laughs> I can see more clearly that God is saying to anyone who's afraid to approach the light and expose themselves to allow their deeds to be reproved, loves darkness better than light. So we have to be constantly seeking God. Truth, truth is not uh, an instantaneous thing. Now, the spirit of truth, when you receive the Holy Ghost, the spirit of truth indwells you. That's instantaneous when you receive the Holy Ghost. John 16, 13 says, when that spirit of truth comes, it will guide you into all truth. So it's a progression. It's a continuance. If we're continually, not continually seeking our own salvation, you guys, I don't know about you, but I have over the years in my life, revisited my salvation or the, what, the understanding of what it means to be filled with the Holy Ghost, to be baptized, to live a holy life. I'm continually looking at that because I'm working out my own salvation. It's a continuance. And as you do, God reveals new truth. Now, for me, God brought me out of darkness into marvelous light. I don't know if you guys know my testimony, but my dad was a Presbyterian minister. So when I first time I went to a Pentecostal church, I had never seen. I thought everybody had a question. (laughs) That's truth. (laughs) That's what I thought. I had never seen worship. I didn't know anything about speaking in tongues. Um, So when I had a conversion, it was like, it really was like coming out of darkness into marvelous light. It's like getting, you know, those of us that wear glasses, getting new prescription or getting glasses for the first time. You know, you walk out and you're like, oh, my goodness, there's leaves on the tree. I never saw that before. That's what it felt like to me when I got the Holy Ghost. The Bible became open. It became alive. It was a true dark to light experience. But now for my husband, he was raised in truth. He didn't have that darkness to light conversion. He was raised around light. He, was, he understood what light was. I didn't, but he did. So, but we can, we can see and we can understand he received the Holy Ghost at five years old. You know, some of our kids have the Holy Ghost at five years old. But they still struggle with what's right and what's wrong what's truth and what's not, so that it's a continuance. The process of doing truth, Jesus said, he that doeth truth cometh to the light. 
So it encompasses more than just a one-time experience. It's a continual process of bringing ourselves into the light. If we love truth and we want truth in our lives, we have to do truth. We have to come to the light. Let me read this same verse to you in a different version. This is the crisis we are in. God streamed light into the world, but men and women everywhere ran for the darkness. They went for the darkness because they weren't really interested in pleasing God. Everyone who makes a practice of evil, addicted to denial and illusion, hates God light and won't come near it, fearing a painful exposure. But anyone working and living in truth and reality comes to God light so the work can be seen for the God work it is. So when you come out of darkness and you are um, exposed to light, it's awesome, but it can also, you know, be a little painful. It can hurt your eyes. It can be, it's so strong, the difference. But no matter how painful it is for us, we need to let God fully see us, let God's light fully shine on us so that we can, um, I think the King James says, our deeds will be made manifest, that they were wrought in God. And that looks so different. Like, this is, what, this is one of the things I love so much about the Holy Ghost. So you can be having, you know, a situation in your life that you're struggling, you don't know what to do, you're confused, and you can come to the altar and let the Holy Ghost intercede for you. You can speak in tongues. You can, nobody has any idea what you're going through. What you're dealing with, it's individual between you and God. I know recently for myself, I was in a service at the Harvey's in McDonough, and the Lord just dropped something on me that I had been dealing with for a while, and I just started weeping, and I mean, I, I really felt like I was just exposed before everyone. I felt like everybody could see right through me because of the vulnerability that I had with the Holy Ghost. But I know for I know that people didn't see that. What they saw was, you know, me up there worshiping and speaking in tongues and praying and you know, it's just that's just what we're supposed to do. So that's a beautiful, beautiful tool of God that that if you're not taken advantage of, please do. You can be as vulnerable in the presence of God, even in a church service, as you want to be. And no one's gonna know. No one's gonna know. So I kind of liken it to this, walking in light, doing truth. Um, when I clean my house, having company over or whatever, you know, I, w- I wipe off all the counters and clean up as best as I can. And I think, oh, it looks great. And then the sun comes up and shines in that window. <laughs> and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I didn't see that, you know, cobweb over there. I didn't see that dust on that counter. That's the way it is with our lives. As we walk in different seasons of our lives, the light shines in a different way on us. And it might reveal things in us that we need to expose to the light, and that's okay. That's how we do truth. Amen. That's how we do truth. If we hide because we're afraid that someone's going to see it or God's going to see it, you'll never have a testimony that your deeds are wrought in God because you you haven't exposed it. So another way that we do truth is to confront the lies in our lives. We take those things that are false, that can't stand alone, and we bring them into the light. 
So the process of dealing with lies, the, the way that we combat the lies that come at us is with truth. Lies, truth. The word of God and Jesus, again, both truth. That's the antidote. There's, I, believe, I personally believe there's a scriptural antidote. There's a scriptural key for everything. Everything you are going through in life. It doesn't matter how modern you think it is or how out of touch you think the Bible is. There is a key in the scripture for your lies. But you have to speak it. You have to embrace it. You have to buy it and sell it not. Because the lie is not truth. It can't stand alone. Your feelings sometimes feel like truth. But if they don't line up with the word of God, it's just not truth. Amen. So we're, I'm going to deal with a few, few lies here um, that, we, that we as people deal with so that we can understand and get kind of a pattern or a way of understanding how to, how to do truth. Um, some of you may feel and believe the lie that you don't matter. You feel like uh, you just, it'd be okay if you weren't here tomorrow. No one would hardly even notice that you don't matter. This, this is a lie. First of all, you have to see it as a lie. You have to understand that's a lie. It's not true. And Jesus, the, uh, the enemy wants to use it to separate you, first of all, from Jesus, secondly, from his word, and thirdly, from the body of Christ. In Psalm 139.4, the Bible says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's not talking to everybody else except you. It's talking to you. God made you. He formed you. Your value is not determined on your status in life. It's not determined on your looks. It's not determined on your social standing. It's determined by God. He made you. So so he values you. He values your time. He values your voice. He values your feelings. He values your heart. Another lie we tend to believe is that I am alone. No matter how many people love us, no matter how many friends, no matter how surrounded we are, we're just alone. That is not truth. That is not truth. And if in your mind just now you are like, yeah, but it is for me. Understand that's your feelings. That's not truth. That's not truth. It is how we feel, but we have this Holy Ghost that intercedes for us on behalf of us and changes us. Hebrews 13. Hebrews? I said I have hay in my notes. But I'm thinking it must be Hebrews. <laughs> Hebrews 13.5 says, God said he would never leave you or forsake you. Now, I know, again, you can become so familiar with the word of God that you're like, yeah, 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 I've heard that. Didn't work for me. But you have to invest in this. You have to buy it. How are you going to buy it? You have to spend something to own this. So you have to spend your own thoughts your own feelings, lay all that aside and let the word of God be truth. Because it is. It is truth. Nothing else is truth. There's another lie we believe, and that is that I am not enough. 
this lie traps us into complacency because it makes us feel like, well, if I'm not enough, why would I even try? It's like a, you know, catch 22. Not true. It's not true. God gives us the strength to face anything. He gave you the Holy Ghost so that you could face anything. In 2 Corinthians 12:9, it's where we're the weakest that he's made strong. So if we're not enough, take that not enoughness to him and let him fill up that gap. Let him build you up to be the strength that you can't be. That's what the Holy Ghost is. That's what it's for. Another lie we believe is that no one loves me. We can talk ourselves into seeing every minute action that someone else does as proof that no one loves me. And if you're saying if you're saying it in that context and you're saying I have proof, that means it's true. You have to you have to push those things away from you. Flee from the enemy because that is not truth. The whole theme of the Bible is love. And I don't know if you can be around the Waldens and not understand that you're loved. I don't think that's possible. So, because God is love, and if, he, if you don't feel love, God will put people in your life that genuinely love you. He loves you that much that he'll do that. Hebrews 13, 3 says, I, no, not Hebrews. What is it? Thank you. Jeremiah, see, in my notes I have her. A Siri keeps autocorrecting. That's what I think is happening. <laughs> Jeremiah 31, 3 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. That means it never stops. God's love for you never stops no matter how you feel. The next lie we're going to talk about is I am a failure. I am a failure. Sure, we all fail, but that doesn't make us failures. There's a big difference in saying I failed and saying I'm a failure. Saying you failed... Well, that's, that has some validity to it. But saying you're a failure, that's not, that's not truth. God's concerned with how we feel about ourselves, how we define ourselves, how we look at ourselves. And we have to, again, buy the truth and sell it not. Psalm seventy-three twenty-six: My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Proverbs 24, 16, for the righteous falls seven times and rises again. They're not a failure. They fail, but they're not a failure. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I will bless you with a future filled with hope, a future of success, not failure. The last lie that I want to talk about, and this one's a little tricky, and that's what, isn't that what the enemy likes to do is to take the words and just tweak them just a little bit so you're like oh is that truth or not I mean that's what happened to Eve he took God's words and just you know and that's the every agenda of the world does that there's there's an element of truth in almost every worldly agenda but they tweak it just enough that it takes it outside the realm takes God out of the beginning of it so this lie is that I am a victim Now, let me be clear, because if you have suffered abuse, you, that was not your fault. You were a victim. You were victimized. 
the lie is that the redeeming power of God is not enough to remove that victim mentality from your life. That's the lie. That's the lie. Your life, your nature, your character, all of ours have been formed by the mistakes and failures of our parents, of our friends, of our family, of people that we know. I mean, every, everybody's life is formed by nature and nurture. It, there's no way to get around that. But it's not an excuse for not working on yourself. And it's not an excuse to clothe yourself in the wrong and, and begin uh, reacting and responding to every situation like you're a victim. Victim mentality blames others, criticizes others, tries to bring other people down so that you don't feel so bad about yourself. Um, Romans 2.1, and I'm going to read this out of the CEV. It says, some of you, because it's so flowery in the King James, but some of you accuse others of doing wrong, but there's no excuse for what you do. When you judge others, you condemn yourself because you're guilty of doing the very same things. Watch your language, um, because it will reveal to you what you're dealing with. If if you find yourself being critical or saying things about people, um, there's probably a good chance that it's something in you that's, like, hurting or, uh, or messed up. So be careful with your words. Not just be careful of them, but let that reveal truth and light and come into the light and get healing. Truth can help you overcome every one of these hurts. It can challenge you to see yourself clearly. It demands that you bring everything into the light. It can be truth, but what does the Bible say? That truth makes us free. It makes us free. Truth involves forgiveness. It involves humility. It involves esteeming other people better than yourselves. You have to lay down the idea that it was someone else's fault that you feel the way you do. Let God heal your heart. Because truth matters. It does. It's not something you can just gloss over. It matters. In 1 Samuel 12, 23, and 24, I want to join with Samuel today when he said to the people of God, Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider how great things he hath done for you. In that... in our culture, in our society, that little phrase, in truth, that little prepositional phrase is so important. But I think our culture is like, only fear the Lord and serve him with all your heart. That's, that's good enough, you know. You're, do, you're doing, but in truth is so important. It's vital to understanding how to serve the Lord, how to to worship him with your whole heart. I believe in this church, and I want to say with Samuel that God forbid that I should cease praying for you because I want to see each and every one of you growing in truth, growing in understanding both individually and collectively. And I want you to know that the good and the right way is truth. 
the good and the right way is truth. So as we go through the rest of this service today, don't be afraid to expose yourself to the light. God's waiting right there to make your deeds manifest in him. You'll to make it a testimony and not uh, just to, you know, expose you for exposure's sake so that everybody knows that you're a dirty, rotten person. It's just not, that's just not the way God is. So thank you guys so much for letting me speak to you today. Where are we at? We're at 1138. Let's sing, let's sing something. <laughs> she told me if I had a song, I don't, but. She said if I had a song to let her know. So I don't have one. Do you have one? I got one. All right. I love it. Let's everybody stand. Your spirit lives within me. Yes. So I will walk in your peace. Your spirit lives within me. My victory. My victory. Your spirit lives within me. So Sing it, everybody, now your spirit.
Thank you, Jesus. Give him a hand clap and some praise. Hallelujah. Thankful. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. My goodness. And I'll tell you, that's, uh, I, I told Sister Green, Brother Green, also while she was finishing up, I said, that's the kind of teaching to make a, make a preacher start, start thinking. And, and man, if you love truth, that, that's the kind of teaching you just want more of. That's, Sister Green, that was fantastic. Fantastic. And just complimented last night so well. Man, just, uh, man, just, it really just, uh, man, it was like, you know, you have something really good to eat, but you didn't finish it, so you, the next day, you pull it out, and that's like, that was like the second helping, man. It was, uh, and, and it's like it's always better after it sits overnight, isn't it? it was, that was fantastic. I'm so thankful for what God's doing. Looking forward to God moving in this next service. And Judah, good to see you. You, you missed your first introduction, so I'll just go. Oh, we're glad you're here, brother. We love you. And hey, find a place to pray before the next service. Let's just get ready for God to do some great things. Amen. God bless you.